When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. LeBondra looking to get side of Bond. LeBondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park Royals preview podcast. This week we are joined by Reading Chronicles, Benji. How are you doing, Benji? I'm doing very, very well. Excited for some football last night with the FA Youth Cup and even more excited for some football on Saturday with uh, Reading heading to West Brom. So no complaints from me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we were both at the game last night. Um, it, It was cold, if nothing else. It was certainly cold. Those those 30 minutes of extra time were a little bit brutal, but Reading got the win, so I guess that's all that really matters. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying to you uh, on Twitter, I was almost hoping for a Bromley goal towards the end of normal time just so I could go home. Um, but, you know, it was it was a good result in the end. Um, Reading under-18s could play Man United or Scunthorpe in the next round, uh, presumably... And I don't think that this is a mean thing to say. Presumably it will be Manchester United who have, uh, you know, quite a good academy, I've heard. Maybe we'll get to see Charlie Savage, um, <laughs> who's who's been a talking point on Twitter this week. Anyway, yeah, let's talk about the senior team. Um, last time we had you on, you were just about to travel to Swansea. Um, that, was, that was a good game. You, you picked a good one to pick for your first away trip. It, it was, and it seemed like heading into the game, I was the only optimistic Reading uh, follower journalist in the entire uh, Twitter sphere. But fortunately, I was proven right with that victory. And it was really, I mean, coming from the Sheffield uh, United game that was in the midweek leading up to that Swansea game, I think pessimism was relatively fair because that was really quite a poor performance. It was just super lackluster. They didn't really look like they were ever going to create anything. It was really one of those games where you think, all right, best case scenario, hold out for a nil-nil draw and move on to the next game. But obviously when you do that, you leave yourself susceptible to one bad moment, gives the other team the three points. And that's exactly what happened in that game. So I think the pessimism was warranted heading into Swansea, but we saw a completely different type of performance that day. And I think, you know, the, 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 the element that was probably most promising from a Reading perspective, whether you're pound of 
Abramovich or a fan is just that twice to concede and then to come back so immediately is 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 such a a positive thing to see because there's always going to be that concern, especially when form starts to get a little bit iffy, when something like a point seduction happens. There's always going to be that concern of, is this team going to fold? Are they going to have the mental resilience, the toughness to actually come back from blows like that? And that game, we obviously saw that they were capable of it. Andy Carroll obviously helping out a lot in that respect. And then obviously Hull that game was disappointing in many ways because on any other given day, I feel like that would have been a win for Reading. It just happened to be on that day with the help of the referee, it was not a win for Reading. So that's, you know, another one of those situations of everything seemed to go wrong. Now let's see what they can kind of build from that. What, what can they take from that injustice? Will they let it kind of overflow on them or will they use it to kind of push forward in this next game on Saturday? But yeah, an, an interesting couple of games for sure. Uh, how many penalties do you think Reading should have had? No, it's a, it's a good question. I didn't, in, in the moment, I didn't see replays until a couple hours after the game, but watching it live, I thought 100% the John Swift foul seemed like the most clear-cut stonewall penalty you'll ever see in the world. I was, I mean, you could see on his face, he was unbelievably shocked as he sprinted towards the referee. And it's just, it's it's one of those situations where it's, hard to believe or hard to imagine what the referee was actually thinking in that moment. So that one I think was as clear cut as you get in the moment. I really thought the, the handball was an obvious, obvious penalty looking back. I don't think it was quite as obvious as I thought at the time, but still obvious enough to give one of those ones where it was like probably 75% of penalty, 80% of penalty rather than the John Swift foul, which I think was 99% of penalty. So at least the, those two, the one on, on Andy Carroll in the first half, I thought at the time actually did look a foul. It doesn't really matter too much because Reading did score from the corner about, uh, I think, the resulting corner, but at least two penalties. But, you know, we'll try to move on from that. It won't let it cloud us too much, but definitely a a hard way to to, to drop points. And, I mean, you could see Pounovich, you know, I, lo- I, I know there's – A lot of people look at it as an excuse, him talking about the referee after the game. But I have a lot of sympathy for him in in that moment because, you know, his job hasn't been easy. He's come under a lot of criticism. And here he's really been robbed of two points that that would have changed the narrative, at least in the moment where, you know, you come out of that game. It would be two wins in a row. Suddenly the points deduction, those, those six points are reclaimed and things are looking a lot more positive. Things for his job are looking a lot more positive. But instead it's a draw. It's two drop points. So I can really sympathize with sort of how upset he was in that moment because you know it's his job on the line each and every game and and that was a a a game where he deserved to get the points the team deserved to get the points and they just didn't yeah I mean I love John Swift giving it the full Pep Guardiola to the referee we're like oh three penalties ref three (laughs) uh and yeah as as you said I think to be fair all three probably were were penalties at the end of the day um yeah if we come on to to West Brom Mm. Everything you've said is is clearly true. Um, that it would be nice to take that sense of injustice into into the next game. But when you're playing a team as good as West Brom are, even if they've been kind of stuttering recently, it, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think with a situation like Reading are in, where obviously a lot has gone against them in the last couple of weeks, whether it's the injuries, the points deduction, the refereeing decisions on Saturday. A team can either use it in one or two ways. You know, they can use it as an excuse to 
to, to take losses and to not really be at their best, or they can use it as a sort of us against the world siege mentality. We now have even more reason to go out and give maximum effort 100%. And I'm hoping that it'll be the latter of these things that, that we see on Saturday. I mean, I know Paunovic has been speaking a lot about it. It seems like he really wants to use that injustice to kind of try to boost the team. And I think it's a bit of a dangerous game because if you talk about it too much, I think it can become an excuse and the players can kind of start to think, oh, well, we've got enough excuses in the bank. It doesn't really matter if we lose at West Brom. We're kind of expected to lose that game anyways. So I think, you know, it's a dangerous line, but I'm hoping they've tread on the right side of that. West Brom, obviously, it's not going to be an easy game at all. Um, as you said, you know, they're one of the top three teams in the division. Their only aim for the season is promotion, whether that's automatic or through the playoffs. I don't think they're quite as good as Fulham or Bournemouth, but they're still obviously one of the best teams in this division. And they're a team that are incredibly difficult to play with. You know, I don't think they're nearly as brilliant as quite a few other sides in this division. Obviously, a team like Bournemouth or Fulham with strikers like Dominic Solanke and, and Alexander Mitrovic. I don't think West Brom are nearly quite as sort of devastating when with the ball and, and, and when they sort of break on you. But they're incredibly functional. They're incredibly hard to beat. They're incredibly hard to break down. Defensively, they're probably as good, if not better, than any other team in this league. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy game remotely. We all know that. I do think something that's sort of it gives Reading a chance is that West Brom struggled to break teams down. And while it's not really been Reading's MO to kind of sit back and let the other team or, or put the onus on the other teams to really force the issue, we did see at West Brom with a relatively full strength team full strength considering the long-term injury absentees. And with Andy Carroll up front, we did see that they have the ability now to sit back, take a lot of pressure, and still have an outlet going forward with Carroll. So I would expect them to do a lot of that. I would expect Reading to see not that much of the ball, force West Brom to break them down. And honestly, I think that's probably the right way to play against this West Brom team because they we saw Ishmael when he the, the manager of West Brom when he was at Barnsley, you know, they don't want the ball. They want to play on the counter. They want to defend. They want to, you know, they, they want all their attacks to be when you have limited numbers at the back. So if you can kind of force them to change their natural game and force them to come out of their shell a little bit. I do actually think they are beatable um, um, if you play the right uh, the right strategy, if you use the right tactics. And I think that Reading, as we saw at Swansea, they have the ability to do that, but it will require a lot of impressive defensive backbone. And it will require, you know, Andy Carroll and the attacking players to really step up. I mean, we saw on, on that game against Swansea, Tom Deli Bashiru really working incredibly well as an outlet with the ball where he could take it down, drive forward, beat a couple of players. And what that does is it just completely relieves the pressure. It means the team can get out rather than just be stuck in the box. And it also means the opposition team, in that case, Swansea on Saturday, West Brom, they suddenly have to think, oh, wait, actually, we have to do a little bit of defending. We can't just attack and have it all our own way. So it's going to be a hard game. Everybody knows that West Brom are the better team, most likely. But I don't think it's in opposition that necessarily are unbeatable. I don't think it's a team that you really have to find this magic formula to beat. I think the way to beat them is fairly straightforward. Not that it's easy. It's incredibly difficult. But I do think it's fairly straightforward. And I think that Reading have the blueprint for it. Yeah, I think Paunovic's MO almost last season especially was was to make us hard to beat away and then go and snatch a goal. 
And obviously, when you've got like Lucas Yao and Yakumate firing and fit, that's a lot easier than it might be this weekend. But as you say, Andy Carroll amongst the goals uh, against Swansea, um, he was impressive at the, uh, I was about to call it the Liberty, but it's the Swansea.com stadium now. Um, I think he, he was a bit less clinical against Hull. Um, he did have a few chances. I guess the, the positive thing, a bit cliched, I know, but he's getting in those positions and obviously Puskas has been getting in those positions and, and missing, but Andy Carroll, a, a man with Premier League pedigree, let's not forget, mm. you expect that he'll come good. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to start first off. And secondly, uh, yeah, do you, do you think he'll start putting away those chances? I, I would expect him to start, first of all. I'd be surprised if he's not in the team, it seems. I mean, obviously, you know, the minutes have to be watched a little bit, but he's kind of just too important and too good at this point to not start whenever he's fit. And, you know, it, it, we saw at Swansea, he was fantastic. He really, I think, was sort of the dominant influence from both teams in, in that game. And against Hull, I thought first half, I thought he was pretty awful, actually. His touch seemed all over the place. He wasn't able to take the ball down. He kind of stalled a lot of attacks by doing that. But actually, I thought as the game wore on, he got significantly better. I know there was a lot of sort of criticism of him or, or, or bits of criticism of him after the game, but I actually didn't really see that performance as a whole as the negative, because if you have a player that's going to put in a pretty shocking average poor first half and then come back out in the second half and put in a much improved display I don't really see that as a major negative and you know I don't think he had any sort of chances where you look at it and think okay you have to score he had chances but none where they're they're sort of you know that wow we really missed one there more half chances, three quarter chances, I guess. And, you know, I, I don't see any reason to worry with Andy Carroll in terms of his finishing, because we've, we've seen 10 years of a track record of a player who knows how to finish and knows how to finish at the top level, knows how to finish at, at the international level. So, you know, when, when someone has that experience and that experience doing the same things for so many years, I really see no reason to worry. I mean, the, the championship, I think, probably is the right level for him at this point in his career. I'm not sure if he'd be able to do it in the Premier League, but I think at the championship, he's a very good striker, and I'm fully expecting him to score tomorrow. Wow. But that is, that's a prediction. I'm going to hold it to you if, if he doesn't. Um, fully expecting him to score. <laughs> is there any other injury returns? I know you spoke to Panovic yesterday. He had a... Positive update on Rinomota, who's been out, I think, longer than was expected. Um, but I don't think that there's any team news in the sense that I don't think anyone will be fit for this weekend that wasn't for last weekend. Liam Moore and Junior Hoylett are back in full training and Paunovic says they're available for selection. I mean, it'll remain to be seen whether they'll actually be, be selected, obviously. I think Liam Moore, obviously, is... A really interesting one because if Panovic sticks with four at the back and he brings Liam Moore back into the team, that means he's got to drop one of Scott Dan or Tom Holmes. I mean, Tom Holmes is probably the one to be dropped because I don't think Panovic wants to drop Scott Dan anytime he's fit, which is understandable. But at the same time, dropping Tom Holmes would be incredibly harsh. And I think on the face of it, the wrong decision. West Brom, you know, at various points, they have played five at the back. So will Poundovich try to match them up maybe and, and go with three center backs and use Liam Moore as well? I think that's an interesting question. 
Junior Hoylet, I'm, I'm excited for him to be back because he provides something a little bit different. He provides, you know, that pace on the wing, the ability, whether it's on the counter or when you're running at bodies behind the ball. He can, you know, he can provide that spark when it's maybe not going Redding's way, when it's not easy to break a team down or when they don't really have someone who can quite open a team up. So I think that's an exciting one if he can stay fit, if he can get into any sort of rhythm, because I think it's a bit un, unfair to expect him to come back on Saturday and tear up West Brom, who are obviously one of the best defensive teams in this division, probably the best defensive team. So, you know, those two are back. Um, Andy Yeadom, it sounds like he'll be somewhat of sort of a game time, game day call, whether he's fit enough for the match. Um, it seems like he's been dealing with something sort of throughout the last either few weeks or few months, uh, some sort of soft tissue issues, which are not are not the kind of thing that'll keep him out hopefully for any sort of lengthy period of time, but something that has to be managed. And if it's not managed, then he will miss time. So I think, you know, they're, they're just being careful with him and, Panovic was very unclear on the status of Femi Aziz where, where he picked up an ankle knock and I wouldn't expect him to be in the squad, but it doesn't sound like there's a 0% chance for him. Maybe we're just trying to, you know, toy with Ghana about Yidom. Like, obviously, he's not fit enough to go to AFCON, but makes a miraculous recovery, <laughs> recovery for the, the games in January. That'd be nice because um, be. I don't know who would play there. Well, to be fair, that might be the way to fit Tom Holmes and Liam Moore in a squad come January. Yeah. Although um, I liked uh, our right back last night in the FA Youth Cup. He was, uh, he was pretty exciting, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, Kelvin Abrefa. I mean, he's been in and around the Reading squad this uh, this season so far, and I was I was really impressed. You know, in in youth football rather than professional football, it's easier, I think, to spot a player who's sort of above the crowd and just doesn't really belong, whether uh, for positive reasons. And I thought he was a perfect example of that, where every time he got the ball, it was like, all right, something's clearly going to happen here. I don't know exactly what is going to happen, but something is going to happen. And he turned his marker brilliantly on the halfway line to help set up the first man. He had a number of little nutmegs, little silky pieces of play with the ball. And he also just, you know, physically was very strong when he would get on the ball. So he'd run, he'd combine that skill and pace and power where he would beat a man and then he'd be able to hold him off while he's running up the pitch 30, 40 yards, whatever it was. And he really, you know, he was, he was exciting. Obviously we got the pleasure of him playing just in front of us. So we really could see him up close, but he, I thought was a very exciting player. I mean, whether it will be the kind of thing where you want to throw him into the first team, obviously there's a big difference between under 18s football and, and the championship, but you know, We've seen in the past Reading are, are, as a club and Panovic as a manager are fairly happy to use academy players either by necessity or by just feeling like they're ready or good enough. So you never know. Obviously, you know, losing both fullbacks for the African Cup of Nations is far from ideal. I know that the it appears the club are kind of trying to delay their departure and kind of hoping they can keep him for as long as possible. I know a lot of clubs are not really they, they feel very concerned about this competition because there's been um there's been a lot of issues whether it's through covid or unrest in cameroon so i i think you know the competition's already been pushed back i don't think there's a zero percent chance it just gets postponed obviously it's getting really close now to the date so that becomes harder and harder but i know there are a lot of issues so that'll be something to monitor for sure but not good to lose both fullbacks for a month of of, of championship action yeah, well, you heard it here first on a briefer, if, if nothing else. Um, 
So last question, Benji, is uh, what's your prediction? You were pretty close last time. You went for a 2-1 win with Andy Carroll scoring the winner. And at half time, it was 2-1 with Andy Carroll scoring the winner. Just unfortunately, a couple more goals in the second half. Uh, what, what are you going to go with this this weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely taking the credit for uh, for that Swansea win, even though I wasn't a hundred percent correct. Still claiming it. Um, yeah, no, you you know that I'm 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 gonna you know what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a Reading win, one nil. Scott Dan from a corner in the second half, a really dogged, determined, impressive defensive display with, you know, just that one little moment of magic, John Swift corner right onto the head of Scott Dan, headed down into the bottom corner. I can already see it in my mind. It's going to come true, you know, visualize and then it, then it actually happens. So that's what that's what the score, that's what my prediction is. And that's what, as a fact, the score will be. Nobody even needs to watch. I love how specific they are. I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near as optimistic as you for this weekend. I think West Brom will probably turn us over. But, you know, the, the, the problem with being a Reading fan, I've said this before, is that we have the hope from the games this season where we have gone to these, these kind of games and, and won. And so even though you're not expecting us to win, you're kind of still expecting us to win. So... Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see how that goes. Um, I, I'm not convinced by your prediction, Benji, but I guess we'll talk about that next time round. Um, uh, one... You weren't convinced by my Swansea one either, but the next That's time true. we do this, you'll be very convinced once I've gotten two in a row right. That Yeah, imagine, imagine if maybe we should have you on every week if that happens. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Um Thank you very much, Benji. Um, One final thing to mention before we talk to our West Brom fan is that there is an auction on uh, Nat Football Shirts Twitter. Um, That is N-A-T underscore shirts um, to raise money for Parkinson's UK. Um, There's lots of Reading FC memorabilia that you can pick up. There's a signed shirt, a um, uh, Michael Jilks signed Simard Cup final programme, which is, you know, Imagine having that in your collection. Um, so, yeah, just head on over to their Twitter and hopefully uh, you can pick yourself something up, obviously, for a great cause. Um, thanks very much again, Benji. And up next is our West Brom fan preview. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm here with Chris, um, who, well, you host uh, the Liquidator podcast, Chris, but you've also done a fair few different jobs uh, around West Bromwich Albion. Uh, kind of, what, what's your what's your journey been? Um, well, for, first and foremost, I, I've been a sports journalist for, for nearly 25 years, um, so um, worked as a general news reporter initially, moved on to motor racing and then worked as a sports journalist predominantly writing about football um for about 15 16 years after that um i mainly worked for the birmingham mail um but i I sort of freelanced as well for various national titles um 
also continue to do bits for for people like 442.com uh, sorry for 442 um the the blizzards um and and one or two of the titles as well so um you know i've written a couple of books i'm in the process of writing a third one um so yeah i've been um involved in in football for quite a while um i currently also on, on top of any freelance journalism i do i'm also a um uh, my, my day job if you like is as course director of journalism at birmingham city university so hopefully bringing through the next generation of sports and non-sports journalists yeah so i mean you sound very qualified to talk about football and west brom um i mean how how have you found this season so far obviously there was quite a lot of change in the off season and uh, from the outside, there are a fair few people, you know, make mutterings about uh, Ishmael. How do you feel about the whole thing? Um, well, I think when Ishmael came in, we, we kind of knew that he'd had a certain way of playing at Barnsley that, that was effectively going to have to be very reliant on results to get him through, if you like. I mean... The, the appointment was unusual on, on a few fronts. Firstly, West Brom were willing to pay another club um, to, to take their manager, which is quite unusual by West Brom standard. It's been a long time um, since they've done that. Secondly, they gave him a four-year contract, which, given that we've got through at least five managers in the last four years, was somewhat surprising as well. Um it was very clearly that the, the the messaging from the club was very clear that this was a long-term project. Now, when I say that his style meant that results would be imperative, you've got to remember the West Brom fans have have been fatigued on a number of fronts in recent years. They there was the survival at all cost football by Tony Pulis, which I personally you know, wasn't his biggest critic. I understand. I understood why we played the way we did. It served a purpose. We stayed up. Yes, the football was miserable uh, for a long time, but actually, you know, for two years, two of the two and a half or three years he was at the club, the job was done. We stayed in the Premier League. Um, we then had the abysmal uh, period of of Alan Pardew, which, I mean when we had players going out to Barcelona and being involved in shenanigans involving taxis and um, we had other players earning six-figure sums who were either injured or or unfit. Um, we got relegated and we replaced him with somebody completely different, Aaron Moore, who did okay. Um, and he was sacked when we were sort of fourth and starting to drift a little bit. He was replaced by James Shan, who was... You know, lovely guy, James, a very good coach, but possibly not really a, a manager. And and he came in for an interim period to try and steer the club home. From there, they appointed Billich um, after Sham didn't take Albion up. Billich was brought in and we were back to a different style of football, more attacking football, more um, attractive football. And we went up and... We were lucky to go up in the main, um, not 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 because we didn't deserve it over the 46 games, but because for the last two months, 
we did everything we could to possibly throw away promotion. And our, our success really owed a lot to Stoke beating Brentford when when really we expected nothing more but for Brentford to finish the job off. And that kind of levered us, pushed us over the line, if you like. Um, so Billich in the Premier League, um, we saw all the frailties that we saw in his final year at West Ham. Players perhaps not as fit as they were. A few signings who weren't up to the job. Not all of his, all of those were his fault, by the way. Um, a lot of the recruitment has been poor at Albion for many years. And he inevitably got the push and was replaced by Sam Allardyce, a completely different manager again. And Sam Allardyce brought a couple of players in the transfer window in January. That team wasn't good enough to begin with. Uh, to stay up. Um, it marginally improved under Sam Allardyce, not hugely, and certainly not enough to to survive. And, you know, once again, we were lurching from one style of football to another. And now we're back with Ismail, who we know plays a certain style of football, a certain brand. Um, it's extremely heavy on pressing, on getting the ball into the opposition box as quickly as possible and playing a high line. And we, we started off very well. Um, but in recent weeks, the the players have looked ill-equipped, possibly unsuited to what Ismail wanted to do. We've become more of a mongrel team in the way we play. It's very difficult to define what our style of football is. And, and Ismail was starting to come under a lot of pressure there. We did beat Coventry last Saturday quite convincingly. Coventry did rally towards the end, but we, we never looked like not winning. And that's eased a little bit of the pressure. But, you know, it's back to Saturday now. It's, uh, uh, you know, every result, every previous result kind of gets pushed away by the time the next game kicks off. And, and you know, there's going to be an expectation that Ismail gets to a, a good result on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, given who's in town, I think most people would expect it. But um, is is the fact that you recently haven't been picking up points, is that compounded by the fact that the top two have also been kind of not winning? Or has that helped um, things that you're not dropping away from them so much? Um, I mean, for my having watched this division many, many, for many, many years, it, this is the weakest championship I've ever seen. And I say that pretty much every time we're in it, it gets worse all the time. And, um, you know, we're third in spot or fourth, I think now, possibly top three or four. I, I forget where we are in the table. I've just looked and we're third. It feels like we're third in spite of what we've done this season. It, it's been difficult at times. Um, what we don't have is a goal scorer, which is something that Fulham have, something that Bournemouth can call upon. And, you know, we're, we're not having, we're not creating as much as I, I think the manager would like us to be creating. Um, we have a very predictable way of playing he's got a very predictable style of management in terms of the changes that he brings about during games and like I say I think when when results are going well that kind of gets pushed aside a little bit and and people sort of move on and, and carry on and, and lord that win and celebrate the win but it has been frustrating um knowing that we didn't invest properly in in a 
good striker in the summer because I think you know if we brought in a Dwight Gale or a, uh, another or had a Mitrovic style player, probably more so a Mitrovic style player who would be suited, I think, to a Ismail team. If we had that kind of player, I think we'd be quite happily sat in the top one, top two. Um, and and looking over our shoulder, not too concerned. But as it happens right now, it feels like we 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 have the feel of a playoff team and no more. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you talk about his uh, changes in game because one of the things that I think helped Barnsley last year a lot was the ability to make five subs and just you know at half time he'd always make two like mid like hour markish he'd make another two and obviously not having that this season. Um, alongside the fact he had, you know, quite a few striking options to call on last season. And it sounds like not quite so many this season. Uh, maybe it, I don't want to say the style of football is too intense, um, but maybe maybe you can't keep up the same intensity um, in a way that you can, can when you're making five subs. Do you think that's, that's fair? I think so, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Ismail isn't shy in bringing players on. Um, what has become very apparent is that you could set your watch by his substitutions. You generally know that on 55 to 65 minutes, there will be at least one sub, normally two, um, and it will be like for like. And then there might be a third one, which will generally also be like for like. It, it, it's not... Ismail hasn't been using his substitutes to change tactics or strategy of a game or or to do something different he's been changing players to literally change players change personnel and quite often you'll get a striker going off for a striker a midfielder going off for a midfielder more personnel changes maybe to give fresh legs rather than to change or, or to tweak the impetus of a game tactically and I think that's been frustrating actually for supports because Supporters look to a manager for that guidance. You know, the 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 one criticism we probably couldn't level at, at Big Sam last year was that, you know, he did try different things and, and he wasn't set to what you would traditionally call the Big Sam style of football. He did try and adjust things. He knew the players we had were limited for the Premier League. Um, in fact, I, the... the probably would have been limited for the championship. You know, we really were a poor Premier League team. And Ismail is more focused around changing the same players for for the same substitutes without actually altering the pattern of play or the tactic or shape of the team. And that can be frustrating when you're not making progress in a game and you see the manager making the same change over and again. You know, there are times we don't need three centre-halves. There are times where we probably could do an extra midfielder to maybe have five across the middle. And there are times when maybe having three attackers doesn't serve us as well as it would be to maybe congest the midfield and, and whatever. So it's... it's it, it, it's something that's frustrating um and again it, you know i always return to results it's always okay when we win we might moan we might sort of be a little bit frustrated that we haven't been entertained but we accept that a win is one step or one win nearer to where we want to be which is 
very much back in the Premier League playing against the best teams. Yeah, I mean, normally I'd ask kind of what players do you think uh, Reading fans should be looking out for? I think the West Brom squad, while not household names, most of them are well known at this level. Um, I saw, though, that you on your podcast were discussing whether Gardner Hickman should start. Um, he's 19, English, sounds exciting. Yeah, I mean, he's only played, I think, four games uh, as a starter and um he is a good player. He's proven that he's versatile. He's got huge energy. He brings huge energy to the team. Um, he's quite um, direct in the way he plays. What I mean by that is that he's willing to support attackers. He's, he's not. Um, he, he doesn't keep the ball or, or pass the ball without purpose, which is good to see. Um, it's very early days, you know. Let's not make any bones about this. He isn't yet Brian Robson or or Stephen Gerrard. What we're seeing is a young player in the infancy of his career, hoping that he keeps developing. And um, there are calls for him to keep his place against Reading. Um, maybe he will. Um, you know, I'm 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 of the view that if Livermore comes back in, Neddy's suspension's ended. Fine, you know, as long as we get the result. But I would like to see Taylor Gardner, uh, Gardner Hickman uh, prosper. I think he's a very good talent. Um, there's certainly a lot of potential there. Um, but, you know, I've been around the block for many years. I've seen that, you know, players can can fade away if they play too much football too soon. So I think, I think Ismail will be bearing that in mind, especially ahead of the festive programme. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... Like, yeah, as you say, there are so many stories about about players playing too early. I mean, Wayne Rooney's the typical example, really. He's still relatively relatively young for an old footballer. That's that doesn't really make sense, does it? But for you know, he retired quite young because of how much football he played in in those early seasons, and uh, you never want to see that happen. Um, so, one final question I have for you, Chris, is just what do you think the score's going to be? Um, and I guess I'll, I'll sandwich in another one, uh, which is how do you think the game will go? Well, I think um, I think West Brom will win. I think they've got a little bit of buoyancy back from last week. Um, I think an early goal, if Albion starts the way they started games earlier this season, I think an early goal could really settle nerves and they could go on to win convincingly. Um they haven't been as dominant against some of the um, sort of teams that have struggled. They haven't been as dominant as I thought they would be at times this season. So, you know, if Reading were to come out of the blocks well, maybe even score early, be a very interesting game. But I, I do expect Albion should have enough to win. I think 2-0 would be um, a scoreline that I wouldn't be surprised to see. I think an early start, a good goal, maybe a, a, a bright start with an early goal and maybe then a second goal just to kind of temper the game and, and to, to finish it off. But, you know, that a lot will depend on how Albion start the match. If they start how they know or, or how Ismail wants them to, it could be a long afternoon for Reading. But if they don't, then, you know, the, the longer it stays nil-nil, the more frustrations will creep in the more you'll hear rumblings in the crowd and that's when it, things start to get interesting 
I really appreciate you searching around for a word that wasn't weaker opposition. Um, it's <laughs> fine. I, I think that's probably fair enough. I, I, I can't disagree. Reading have gone to places where they're expected to lose this season and somehow got results out of them, which means that every Reading fan always has hopes going into these games, but inevitably they usually end up pretty badly. And um, especially with the kind of direct nature that West Brom play, I can't really see us getting anything out of the game. Um, but I won't take up any more of your time, Chris. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, as I say, uh, go and listen to uh, Chris's podcast, whose name I've totally forgotten, Chris, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, the podcast name is The Liquidator, and, and you actually can follow us um, on, let me just tell you what the podcast is. Uh, it is It is on Twitter. The name of the podcast <laughs> is The Liquidator, um, and the podcast name is The L Liquidator p1 so if you go to uh twitter the liquidator p1 you can follow us there i don't actually run the twitter account but that is our twitter account so what a seamless link from us both there uh absolutely perfect um and as you say you've got so many other things on the boil that uh i'm sure you'll you'll be on people's twitters uh, <coughs> just whenever really um, but anyway, thanks very much, Chris. Uh, and can I remind everyone that there is um, a Nats football shirt auction to raise money for uh, Parkinson's. Uh, you can find all of the details of that on their Twitter, which is Nat underscore shirts, um, N-A-T underscore shirts. Um, Paul, no, Alex will be back after the game uh, to discuss what goes on. Maybe we'll somehow nick a point or something and, and the weekend won't be all bad. <laughs>